How are you feeling after that horrible result against Chelsea? Well, the, it's the 12 steps, isn't it? So the, the anger has turned to bitterness, has turned to regret, has turned to acceptance. And now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of feeling on the upside again. It's uh, life goes on. Life goes on. Scousers on Sunday. It's, it's gone. I've forgotten about Stamford Bridge and that cheating Yorkshire lead supporting tw- Martin Atkinson. <laughs> oh, don't you bloody start on that nonsense. It was absolutely a penalty. It was a penalty. What, what's everyone going on? Oh, it's a conspiracy. Oh, refs hate us. Oh, the FA hates us. Oh, Rooney's totally got let off with elbowing someone trying to decapitate a Wigan player in the middle of the pitch. Uh, it's just, it was a penalty. There was contact. Smalling had his leg slightly extended and Jerkoff bought a penalty off him very cleverly. I think I think Jerkoff is the, is the right term there. Yeah, I know. I, I, I emphasized I emphasized the je sound on purpose there. I I thought it was dive actually. I I thought it was, but just because it's a dive doesn't mean it's not a penalty. <laughs> well, well, we're getting in some dodgy ground here. Look, this 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 was Smalling static, and and the player went was going over before there was contact. So I I think uh, I no I look I understand what you mean. I mean the the remember the time that United ended Arsenal's forty nine match unbeaten run and and all of that and Rooney went over a static Sol Campbell's leg right so not dissimilar I'm pretty sure you said that was a penalty from memory yeah yeah I I think I think the the difference there was I there was an audible click I heard it I was about you know 10 yards away from that one and I was pretty sure there was contact and Rooney went over the contact looking for it and you know famously Gary Lineker used to do this constantly right he'd look for the the goalkeeper's arms Uh, I I think this was a bit different because I, I think Zhirkov actually just went down. But but there's contact on both Zhirkov's legs. Um, Sleepy underscore Nick on Twitter is uh, an actual referee uh, and also a Rantcast listener and a very avid Manchester United fan and he's absolutely adamant that it was a penalty. Uh, and I have to say I kind of agree and I really think that if it had been Rooney going over John Terry's leg, huge numbers of United fans would be on the exact opposite side of this debate. Well, of course, and that's the nature of football fandom. I mean, Sleepy Nick's one example. Graham Pohl, of course, said it wasn't a penalty. So, I mean, not that I have a lot of respect for Graham Pohl, but <laughs> listen, I'm I'm on I'm on, I'm with Sleepy Nick over Graham Pohl any day of the week. Right. Well, so look, I think the point is that was a contentious one. Uh, there's no contention whatsoever that David Luiz should have seen red. He should have seen red for the he, he virtually assaulted Hernandez uh, when he was already booked and. And didn't get a yellow card for it, and then he, you know, he tried to kneecap Rooney when the ball was about 15 yards away and didn't see red for it. So, and, and there was just that general feeling throughout the game that we're not getting anything out of this. We're just not getting anything. We just all the 50-50 decisions were going against us. And uh, look, I don't think it's conspiracy. Uh, I know the guy's from Leeds. And uh, he's probably a Leeds fan, and he probably has Leeds fans at him all day long. But and and I know he's given you know a, hor- a rash of horrendous decisions against us. I know that when he's referee, Chelsea win ninety nine point nine five percent of the time. And I tweeted this, and people kept going, "It's a conspiracy." Yeah, you'll be having conspiracy theories. I was like, "No, it's not conspiracy. I'm just tweeting the stats here. You make your own minds up that they win every single time he he referees. All of that, right? I, and I, I'm not implying any bias. I don't think he is biased." But we didn't get anything out of him. 
and I thought it was a poor refereeing performance. And I think they're two different things. And uh, I, I, you know, it's true. I just don't think we got the the rubber the green on the fifty fifty decisions. The penalty was a contentious one. You don't think it was a penalty? I thought it was. Referees are split on it. You, you, that's that's backwards. You didn't think it was a penalty, and I thought it was that way around. And uh, referees are split on it. So it's one of those that might not always have been given. And Luis should have gone. Uh, I think. I mean, Vidic under the tossing up procedure. I thought the the actual foul was not much of much, but because he'd done several, I think most referees would pull out a yellow card. Yeah. So, you know, not not going to argue with that one and the, the one match ban that goes along with it. But I just thought there was a general feeling of not getting much out of it, and and added to the fact that last season they got a free kick which really shouldn't have been, and there was a foul when they scored the goal at Stamford Bridge, and then Drogba was offside when they, he scored the winning goal at, at Old Trafford gives this feeling of we've just not had the rub of the green against Chelsea recently. No, that's true. I, I, I can't disagree with that. And, and you know, of course, the, the, the thing that I do find slightly frustrating in the debate afterwards, the post-mortem of it, is that sometimes we do get the rub of the green and we get contentious refereeing decisions going our way and we probably get slightly more penalties than we should at home, you know, because there's 70,000 of us there. You know what I mean? It's it, This is what happens in, in referees. Home home teams get very favorable treatment and the thing is sir alex ferguson does something the thing that he does almost better than anything else is take pressure off his players because how little of the coverage after the chelsea game has been about the team and their failure to win on the day the vast majority of the coverage has been about ferguson's rants about the referees and to me a it's obviously massively hypocritical on its part because quite literally after the previous game he said the referees should be allowed to do their jobs because you know he was on the other side of the debate but i think he does it wonderfully i think it's all about diffusing the situation in, in the camp creating that siege mentality you know removing uh, media attention from uh, perhaps underperformance by by some players in the game he, he does it very cleverly indeed but it is it is a frustrating debate for me i just it, it was like the outrage amongst united fans by how much match of the day paid attention to rooney's elbow on the pitch to me it's a much greater crime to run up behind a bloke and elbow him in the face than it is to draw attention to a world superstar of football doing that i think if it had been perhaps any other team the same thing would have happened no it wouldn't have no it wouldn't have Go on, you know when you knew it, you know it wouldn't have twenty-four hours rolling news constantly for four days. They replayed that for nearly a week. Can I just interrupt to correct myself? Because what I wanted to—I don't mean any other team. I mean any other player of the notoriety of Wayne Rooney. That's that's what I actually mean. Right. Yeah. Uh, look. Okay. F- f- fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think I think United were prepared for that. I, I know we're merging a few topics into one here but they they do kind of blame that and uh totally take your point about ferguson's hypocrisy uh, absolutely he he plays the game he he uh, after the after the after the uh the weekend game he was uh, him and um feeling were both out saying well you can't question the referees about this and and of course it, it's it sounds ridiculous and it's completely about taking the pressure off the players and and putting the focus on him and he does it so brilliantly and and people will mock him for it and he'll get a touchline ban for the FA because they're so weak that they have to do that, right? I mean, it's their own stupid rules that meant that 
Rooney didn't get a ban in the first place. It's their own stupid rules that meant that Steven Gerrard got away with two elbows of a very similar nature uh, for, for exactly the same reason, because uh, the referees are absolutely unquestionable. They make the right decision every single time, except when they give a red card. Then you can question them. And uh, until the FA pull their fingers out and realise that their own rules are completely nonsensical, then we're going to keep getting this. In terms of managers making comments and questioning referees, well, again, the, the FA are hiding behind their own ridiculous rules. So as soon as it sounds like you're questioning the impartiality, Ferguson said, I was worried when I saw him. It doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, you know, I'd make a semantic argument to mm. say that's not saying he was impartial. He just doesn't like the referee. As soon as you allow for that leeway and allow for the semantic argument, and remember the FA here are both alleged victim, judge, jury, and they'll be the executioner as well, uh, then you create yourself problems. If they just said managers are not allowed to talk about referees, full stop, right? And and had it in the contract with the broadcasters, that broadcasters are not allowed to ask questions about yeah. referees, full stop. Then we stop this. But everyone loves the drama, and, yeah. uh, and the Football Association have done nothing about it. And every single question asked of Alex Ferguson in that post-match interview, yeah. was about the referee and about the performance and about the decisions. It's, al- it's almost impossible for him to give an answer without being evasive, uh, which also has its own problems and the media would complain about. Ferguson never gives an answer uh, without without getting into yeah. trouble. No, absolutely. It's, it's a real endemic problem with football in England. I don't know how it works in, in other countries because I don't pay that much attention to post-match interviews, but um, it's... It is it is a a real genuine issue for the game because week after week managers are immediately having microphones thrust into their face in the heat of the moment, often when they'll be very disappointed by something and then and then they get in trouble for answering the questions that they're being asked. So the FA should kind of go around finding journalists for asking those questions, really, in a way, because it's, it's, it's entrapment <laughs> but in a roundabout sort of way. It, it, look, it's compl- it, it, is, it is complete entrapment. And I, I think uh, unless you want managers who give no kind of yeah. answer, like maybe Sven right who gives a completely and then gets criticized for being bland and having no personality and saying nothing now i'm afraid we we appear to want it all ways at the moment so uh, and and then look just to get back to all the decisions and and uh, we we haven't talked about rooney yet uh we i started that rant off uh, with a bit of rooney and and uh, you did too but uh, Clearly, clearly Rooney has barged into the guy. I have to say, one thing that hasn't been brought up is the guy, James McCarthy, turned around, looked for Rooney and stepped in front of his path. So he was looking to that's, block that's, him. That's a, an incomparable offence uh, to el- elbowing, you in the, elbowing someone in the face. I didn't, I didn't compare the no. offences. Okay, actually. sorry. Uh, I, 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 no, yeah, I know. This is, I'm afraid I'm getting very good at uh, at uh, defending myself from accusations of things I haven't done because I get it on Twitter a lot. <laughs> I, I, I was not comparing the offences there. I, I don't think what Rooney did and what James McCarthy did were the same thing, but I think it was caused in the first place by James McCarthy stopping it, stepping in front of his path. There's absolutely no chance that Rooney runs up to someone. And the way it's been portrayed is that 
There's an innocent victim here. Rooney runs up to him, elbows him in the back of the head for absolutely no reason other than it was just good fun. And and I think that is rubbish. It's just nonsense. McCarthy steps in front of him. Rooney is aggressive, and what he's done is he's put his elbow and his hand up first. Clearly, he shouldn't do that. When you when he plays slowly, it looks awful. When you play it in real time, the guy's just stepped in front of him. He's put his elbow up. And I'm not defending him because it's the wrong thing to do. What actually Rooney should do is either one or two things. Either get out of the way if he can, or he can't get out of the way. Run into McCarthy, fall on the floor, hold his face, and roll around a few times. Because that's what absolutely everyone <laughs> oh, else would have done, right? <laughs> I can't. I yeah, maybe that's no. Okay, no. I'm, I'm going to say it's still worse to elbow someone in the face. The 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 problem with it, the thing that gets me about it is, you know, the the reason that that um, I I'll never be a really truly proper fan is that I can't see that and be anything other than than have anything other than my stomach turn slightly because even though he's wearing the kit of the team I support, he's just done something which I find to be a really really unpleasant act on the pitch and that kind of overrides my fandom you know I, I think sport has the opportunity to show us some really fantastic things about the human condition and it's always a shame when it descends into the baser aspects of the human condition I think of course some people love a bit of that sort of thing but, but anyway it, it, I just find it kind of sickening and and also I there's part of me that can't shake the fact that like this is Wayne Rooney who is you know heralded as a superstar of the game paid an absolutely inordinate sum of money compared to his colleagues and he's you know acting like a petulant child when he's supposed to be one of the kind of you know more storied figures in the game it's it's, it's just upsetting why, why do the two things go together i mean i can understand why it's upsetting but I, I i have to say i don't buy this argument that like because he's a superstar because he's a very talented person that somehow he should not have other flaws and clearly he does no, have it's many, not, many it's, flaws. It's, it's not to excuse those it's just he does i don't i but i don't i don't get it why what morally yeah i, I look if i if i was in my place of work and i went round and i decided <laughs> to elbow someone in the face there would clearly be yeah. a massive problem yeah. it, w- it wouldn't make the front pages because no one gives a crap about what i do for a living in my day job but uh, i would be out of a job pretty quickly much like if i actually went into my workplace and shot someone <laughs> I, I might be out of work too they clearly live in a different world but but I, I i do have to say i i don't quite understand this well i understand it but i don't well that's that's totally reasonable with this i don't agree with this theory that somehow just because they're famous there's a different code of morality and i i totally understand the argument well look kids watch this and they it's it's not good for the game and oh, of course it's not but but people do rubbish things all the time they do far worse yeah, than this it's the the thing the point that i was trying to make there's something really unpleasant about a you know the 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 fact that there's that sense of entitlement about wayne rooney and 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 in fairness i i, I must say that it's very understandable as we've said many times on this podcast he has not grown up in an environment that any of the rest of us can relate to to be that gloried and that wealthy at such a young age must be incredibly disruptive to health healthy human development so 
that sense of entitlement is very understandable but it's also very unpleasant to look at and it's that thing it's that it's that same thing as Ashley Cole shooting someone in the backside it's that I'm a footballer I can do what I like mentality and and it's there Rooney instead of being in the slightest bit mature about a defender doing something slightly sneaky tries to seek revenge and it comes out of that that place of I'm I'm Wayne Rooney I do what I want turn it the other way around so if it was the other way around and Rooney's deliberately tried to block someone off. I think we might be saying something different. I think we might be saying, "Oh God, he feels entitled that he can just block someone on the pitch." And you know, that's yeah, really, maybe. You know, uh, you might be right. You might be right. And nothing's been said about James McCarthy, and uh, that's because he's not Wayne Rooney. Ah, some stuff's been said, and of course there was a, there was a terrible challenge by a Wigan player. Plus, plus, uh, and the worst crime in all this, he's ginger. Ed, that's how th- I would like to profoundly disassociate myself from my colleague's previous remark. Um, hey, listen, there was some phenomenal football in that game, uh, the Wigan game. At, at 1-0 up at 60 minutes, I was thinking this has got 1-1 written all over it. It looked like it, we, right. we really were struggling, but, but the goals, we scored some belters, didn't we? And Hernandez had an absolute cracker. Well, he, had, he scored a couple of cracking goals. I wasn't sure that he actually had a cracking game, but I, I guess that's up for debate. I, I still think he's over-eager when he's outside of the, here's a chance. I mean, his movement's brilliant, right? He, he, he knows exactly where to you know, run in front of defenders at the time to do it and when to do it. And when he gets a chance to finish, he finishes superbly. I think drop him 10 or 15 yards deep, he just, he's just trying a bit too hard. And sometimes he should just get out of it yeah. and he shouldn't be there and uh, and, and maybe that comes with a, a bit more experience and I think that's why he doesn't start actually a lot of the time of course he did at Chelsea which was something of a surprise on more than one front and first game in 165 that Ferguson hadn't changed his team absolutely unbelievable that was but but yeah I mean his, his movement for the goals was absolutely tremendous and his finishing and composure in in um, in that last third he, he, I think he's going to be a real player I really do I mean he already is in many ways but I as you say, he's got some some issues to work out. But I, I was genuinely impressed with his performance against Wigan. Yeah, some fine goals, and all came very late. I, I definitely thought the score flattered United. I, I don't think United uh, was that good. I, I don't think it was a four nil in terms of the performance. Uh, and, and very thankful to Edwin van der Sar to keep pulling off. I mean, what were the two cracking saves in the first ten minutes? We could have been down two now. Yeah. Um, the, the, one of my very, very favourite moments in that game was uh, when Fabio scored and it cut to a shot on the bench and uh, Raphael looked so happy. It was just, it was magic. It was really magic. It was, it was a lovely moment. It's just like so proud for his little brother, for his, uh, I mean, obviously for his brother. I, I just said the word little because they're both little. I, I, I described Rooney as a poor-ish in, in, in that game on, on Twitter. And my friend Joe uh, came back and said, lay off Rooney, played a fine one-two with Nani for the first goal, played a great ball for to Chicharito for the second and scored the third, um, which is fair enough. But I still think it's, I, I, I also put on Twitter, this is what I think has happened to Wayne Rooney. Someone has done something to his neurons, which mean they only work a third of the time. So a third of the time, he's still absolutely stunningly amazing as per the overhead kick and the the fantastic goal against Chelsea. But 
two thirds of the time something goes crazy and his neurons misfire and he can't control his legs properly anymore. Maybe, yeah. I I, I, di- I didn't think he was great, but but he was productive. So you can't you can't really argue with a goal and two assists, which is which is what he produced and five goals in five games now. So it's and, and a stunning goal against Chelsea as well. So and and I don't know whether that's just from moment. That's muscle memory, is it? it, it because he he doesn't feel like he's playing well. But still, that's that's what I mean about the the kind of it's almost it almost seems like it's neurological that it's something to do with his nerves and his motor control because it's this I'm, I'm talking nonsense obviously i'm far from a medical doctor it, it just seems like something like that because like you say the muscle memory when it's working he can still do these remarkable things and some of his passing has been absolutely fantastic uh, talking of fantastic passing i feel it would be extremely harsh not to mention the g-bombs incredible ball down the wing for to berbatov for our third goal i don't think he was even looking i think he just punted it out of defense that, i i have watched a goal specifically to check whether he was looking and the g-bomb looked up he looked up and he saw the pass and then he measured the ball and played it perfectly. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it happened. He, he whacked it. He looked up and was like, oh my God, I've made a good pass. <laughs> too harsh, too harsh on the G-bomb. He, he dropped a G-bomb on that pass. I, I'm really hoping that G-bomb becomes like a really positive nickname in the future. Like, wow, did you see that G-bomb? Absolutely stunning. Um, but we'll, we'll see. But yeah, there's three, three decent games in a row from the G-bomb. So the Chelsea game, uh, everyone said it, but you, you can't talk about that game without saying it. A game of two halves. Very, very much. I mean, United were great in the first half. Stunning. All over Chelsea. But but I think I have to say, you, you've got to give Chelsea credit for, for a couple of things. One, changing things up tactically a, li- a little way. And and they just messed up United's rhythm. They they can, And so close to the win, they fouled, they pushed, they were aggressive. They uh, they got away with it, and uh, which might not always have been the case but uh, definitely got away with it and uh, and uh, United didn't respond and I thought actually Ferguson should have changed things much much earlier should have pulled Darren Fletcher inside and gone to three in the middle and pushed Wayne Rooney left and not even things up but you know made us more competitive in the middle of the park and it was a real problem and and Chelsea forced their way back in as I, as I said on the website big picture was Chelsea forced their way back in a little details the referee had too much involvement in that and that's that's where it's a shame but but the fact is, Chelsea uh, at least earned a point, and uh, the details, you know, I think, earned them more than that. But great performance from them in the second half, and and we weren't. And I just thought it showed once again how weak our midfield really is. Yeah, th- this, I read the article, the match report on zonal marking because I, on telly, I find it sometimes quite hard to get a real feel for the nuance of the tactical ebb and flow. And there's an interesting point made on that. Uh, piece that actually Chelsea really did not change the tactics very much especially not at the beginning of the of the second half and really they ju- it was just their tempo and kind of intangible stuff like commitment which is they didn't yeah they didn't change shape it was still 4-4-2 but but it was a 4-4-2 that was beating United so yeah and I, I think at that point you go well what's happening here Let, let's let's change and, and the, the other point that was made in that 
piece which I think is extremely relevant was that Skulls and Carrick as a two, which as we know is is not a very common two, works brilliantly if United are dominating the game, but but under pressure that's not the two that you want in the centre of midfield. Definitely not. Definitely not. And there's a and, and Bearded Genius, who's one of my favourite Twitterers, said afterwards that um you know if you if you wanted to change one thing in the United midfield, what would what would it be? And it's probably there because I was like, well, yeah, you need a, definitely need a hard man in the middle. It's a real problem. But actually, we desperately need some creativity in the middle. Actually, we really desperately need a left winger too. Yeah. And, and I think that kind of sums up where United is in terms of midfield. A lot of numbers, but it's just not good enough. And 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 I'm afraid it's uh, for the genius of Paul Scholes. When, when he's in that position, he's a massive liability. And, and Carrick is too. Yeah, a massive liability with a new three-year contract. What do you make of that? I mean, this is we, we spoke about this the other week been mooted a little bit and I, I'm a little bit surprised in a way uh, if you take the longer piece of this in, the, in that they, they were quite happy to move Carrick on so I'm a little bit worried that this means that there's there's no real spending in the summer and they're, they're keeping what they've got I mean that that definitely seems to be what it would indicate doesn't it I, I did a little straw poll on Twitter and I, I'd like to kind of pull out some of the some of the things that people have said just because it's really interesting to me how much it's divided opinion um, we've got uh, at Chris A. High saying very unhappy has done nothing to earn a new deal more worrying still what does it say about our um, spending in the summer um, at Trisha RKG hi Trisha uh, says I'm only pleased if we sign someone considerably better and Michael is a squad player that makes sense um, at Dean Huggins 732 pleased means if we sell him we get more money and if we don't we have an experienced player around the young lads and that's something that has has come out perhaps um, he's he, we're doing this thing of keeping him and Skulls and gigs because Ferguson really does trust the generation of youth players that are coming through I think that's the most optimistic take on it whether that's the case or not um it doesn't doesn't do anything for us next season so no, absolutely if you can stay with the status quo obviously owen hargreaves is leaving skulls is not going to improve in fact if anything he'll regress because he's getting a year older ditto with gigs and then we're we're hoping that somehow anderson who's shown you know no real signs of it will improve and and uh, ditto with the g-bob and i think that's a very worrying scenario yeah i I mean it's yes absolutely there's an awful lot of abuse going in carrick's direction which i do think is unjustified because as as we've both said he has been a very important player to united at certain times at ben hibbs who works for the club of course tweeted something brilliant actually something i thought was really insightful which is that carrick might be the player who suffered most from ronaldo leaving because he's at his best when he's moving the ball from back to front you know when he's he's part of a quick moving attack because that's what is he recycles the ball really fast yeah. and and that there's uh, has been really important to united but but in 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 a scenario where united midfield is actually pretty weak and coming under more pressure he's no longer the rolls royce player he's just a bit of a liability yeah absolutely but you know uh at united underscore religion very pleased underrated and over abused by mufc supporters so it's just it's just interesting to me that there was a, a wide a wide scope of opinion and at t scorpio asks do we think that Sir Alex is, is going to buy a central midfielder or is he going to hold off for Morrison Pogba and Tanner Cliff to come of age? I, I, I think uh, strategically it would be a massive mistake to hold off for Morrison Pogba and Tanner Cliff to come for age. For a start, uh, Morrison, the oldest of those, has all sorts of problems and, and Pogba is uh, basically still a kid. So I, I think there's no chance that he's going to integrate those into the first team next season. No. The, if there's not any purchasing, it's not because he's thinking about bringing these kids in. This is not 90 
95 over in it uh, again for all the talent that people say he's not bringing six kids into this side if uh, if if he doesn't buy it's because he doesn't have the cash and he will stay with the status quo and the next in line is not Morrison Pogba and Honeycliffe it's Darren Gibson Gabriel Overton and Bebe yeah yeah no you're right and that's that is a worry so I mean okay if you just this is I guess it, it's mostly speculation but right here right now you think Ferguson's not going to buy anyone in the summer for midfield central midfield I, I, I'm sure there will be some spending but I don't think he's going to be allowed to go out and buy a 40 million pound superstar I, I think you might be right and I think I think if you want to defend that position you say well we've got Anderson and Scholes and Carrick and Gibson on the books uh, and and Fletcher yeah, yeah you can do that and I don't think that's a top four midfield and so uh, no, no, you don't think that's a top four midfield we, we've benefited from Arsenal being inconsistent and having a rubbish goalkeeper and a rubbish back centre two central defenders Chelsea has some key injuries through the middle of the winter and as we spoke about we always said that they were probably the most dangerous and they're a long way back so but even so I mean so with Chelsea if they have Lampard and Essien fit, you've got two very high-quality players there. The problem was a lot of the time they were playing Zhirkov and, and Ramirez in there. And, and, and City have a huge amount of quality in midfield, not least that David Silva is now showing exactly what a, you know, a high-quality player he really is. And uh, I think, uh, I mean, I, I wrote it on the website many, many times and spoke about it. Uh, it's one that United really missed out on. Uh, I, I was championing his cause for about a year before he joined City, unfortunately. Uh, so, uh, I think uh, there's an awful lot of quality in the rest of the big size. Look further down than that. Modric, Huddleston, uh, Van der Vaart, Lennon. You've got to say, that's a pretty high quality midfield. So have United got anything that's better than our competitors uh, across the midfield? Yeah. Absolutely yeah, not. So it's a very interesting point and you'd imagine that City will strengthen again in the summer if they make the top four, which they're, they're looking good to do at the moment, although I think that's still obviously very up for grabs. It's... It, it's definitely worrying times. It, you know, it's definitely worrying times. But 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 just you, you th- do you think there'll be any strengthening in that position? I, I just don't know. I don't know what the club strategy is. I I just I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, the the problem is, that, of course, we we really know nothing about the financial situation at the moment. So there's all the talk about the bid. Uh, will that happen? Will that not happen? Who knows? Uh, it, it, it seems to be a case of haggling over price. If, if we're saying that Glazers are in situ, well, their their overriding priority is to maximise the value that they're getting. If that means spending 150 million on new players, then fine. But I don't think they think of it like that. I think I think in pure economic terms, they don't need to win the the league and the the Champions League. There's all this nonsense talked in the papers an awful lot of time about sort of, in fact United United spin this themselves as 330 million fans or whatever. Actually, I, I think it's something like, if you exclude media rights, it's less than 1% of United's income that uh, if you, commercial rights and media rights, so, so where they actually get overseas companies to sponsor them on an exclusive basis and this has been the strategy over the last two years so Kumo Tires and you know, Asia Air and, and all of those deals that they've struck and overseas broadcast rights they're, they're in the pool so United can do nothing about that I, I see people tweeting about mobile phone rights what a load of nonsense uh, you know understand something about mobile one understand something about the collective bargaining uh, that the Premier League engages in two not going to happen exclude those two 
United's commercial income from overseas is less than 1% of revenue, right? This is not about United getting huge amounts of money from overseas because they're appealing to fickle fans through winning. Their their core sources of income are basically locked up. Now, the things that are flexible are extra games. People coming in, so we've seen a drop-off in tickets. Are we going to see a massive drop-off in tickets next season? No, we're not. Uh, So uh, the rest of it is, do they qualify for a few knockout games? Can you guarantee that United get to the final of the Champions League and win it, as opposed to make the quarter-final because they spend £100 million this summer? You can't. You can't do it. You can't do it. And uh, I would say as a, you know, as a business proposition, that is a highly risky investment and most business people would not make it. So uh, I would say all the signs point to United not spending huge amounts of money. But hey, you know, I've been wrong about a few things. So who knows? We'll see. We will indeed. Hey, listen, there's, there's something that we've talked a lot of doom and gloom and a lot of uh, troubling times for Manchester United. But something really two two noteworthily lovely things happened this week. One small, one absolutely huge. The small thing was a little story that did the rounds um, over the internet. I saw it in loads and loads of different places and it all came from this one post uh, on the digital spy forum which is like a television and celebrity type forum uh, in england uh, just just somebody telling a little story about how they worked in a like a buffet restaurant type place and uh, this young lad come in and was couldn't really speak english and was asking for um tagliatelle and this lady showed him where it was and he tried to give her a fiver and she said oh no we can't take tips and he was really embarrassed and he said oh i sorry you know in my country i don't know i'm not i'm new here and i don't know about the tipping here and she said oh no no i know who you are my son's a united fan you're you're hernandez right and he went oh yes that's me and he was nice to her and everything and the next day he comes in with a signed shirt for her for his for her son and uh, i just think that's absolutely magic that's what you like to hear, isn't it? Heartwarming. It, it is lovely, but give him three years and be, you'll be telling the son to F off when he comes to ask for a, a signature and, and, and driving up to the Carrington in his, you know, the dark shades in the middle of winter in his Ferrari. So. I don't buy it. I do not buy it. I think the lad is... A, I think he's going to stay humble. I think you could tell by his face. Do you know, when I first read that story, I got it totally wrong and I was reading it. I, was, I had a whole bunch of stuff open and, and I skimmed it and I was like, this, is, this isn't a nice story. So, you know, somebody's taking the piss out of this Mexican waiter it's just totally wrong and it's just racism basically and then I read it again and I thought oh no wait I got that totally wrong Um, so uh, other nice things that happened this week. Uh, it's time for yet another standing ovation for Ryan Giggs. Sir Ryan Giggs, 606 appearances, equaling Bobby Charlton's all-time record. And, and 20 years at the club. 20 years. Um, the Football Ramble posted a fantastic uh, infographic. Um, footballramble.com slash index.php slash d w h o f slash entrant slash ryan dash gigs hashtag hash body you might just you want couldn't it. have done a bitly link yeah exactly that, no? you might as well just uh, you might just want to put uh, ryan giggs dean windass hall of fame into into google um it, it's absolutely amazing it's a, a little infographic showing all the players that he's played with and how long they've been at the club in in amongst that time and the the only person that really comes close is 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 gary neville uh, so an absolutely uh, outst- outstanding achievement and then well what are some of your less obvious favorite ryan giggs memories said well well, I mean, 
one one that uh, comes to mind is is uh, as you'll remember well uh, when United got thrashed on New Year's Day. What's this? Ninety two, ninety three, something like that. And we were stood on the Stretford end and uh, getting absolutely thrashed by Queens Park Rangers. And uh, but Ryan Giggs was there and he was absolutely magic. And he was uh, he's well worth staying just for that. It was indeed. Uh, and frankly, that was the only thing it was worth staying for. That was uh, the first time I had ever had the privilege of going to United. You, you're a, a little bit older than me and your mum allowed you to do more stuff than mine did um, so you got to go I, th- I think it was more a case I just went anyway <laughs> yeah I don't quite understand how in the year that you did your GCSEs by the way listeners getting really excellent results you also managed to go to every single game home and away is that is, is that right have I got the timeline right yeah yeah that's a, that's a, that's about right yeah actually I didn't get as excellent results as I, I was predicted to get oh, did you know <laughs> <laughs> right, no, it was yeah, that was it. It was your A levels when you stopped going to away games, so you got oh, really yeah. good results, right? Um, but yeah, um, that Ryan, oh, just I, I love Ryan Giggs, and in the Chelsea game, there was a moment just towards the end of the game where he just did like a really casual spinning back heel you know just just one of them that you like yeah. straight away you're like get that in all the YouTube collections that belongs in there that's right up there with some of the Zidane stuff and you know it's just an absolutely beautiful bit of skill I, it, it was magic and I, I spent a bit of time on YouTube this week just just looking at Ryan Giggs' videos, there's a, there's a great one called "Giggs Will Tell You Apart," tear you apart again, and it's a it's a sort of nine minutes of Ryan Giggs interspersed with commentary from his uh, his teammates and a bit of music, and uh, that's that's a really great one. And I just think it's almost unsurpassed in the modern game just not just the length of tenure and the quality of the player but but uh, absolutely everything he stands for and the fact that yeah he did a bit of partying when he was younger but really in the grand scheme of things really nothing that serious and he's virtually teetotal now he's a complete professional and and he's almost everything that you would want in a player and 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 he's still ultra competitive and i actually love the point he i mean he's he really doesn't. He's he's had a very good disciplinary record over the years, and then one, the one red card for Wales, and then of course he got a, a video evidence ban for Wales as well. But right towards the end of the Chelsea game, he uh, he got a yellow card for absolutely clattering into someone, and and then gave it everything into Atkinson's face. And I thought, okay, look, that's not a that's not a great thing uh, to show. Uh, fair enough. But he's 37, and he's played you know 860 odd games for the United and he still desperately wants it. Didn't he, hasn't he played 606 games? Or is it 606 league games? He's played 863, I think, games and then 606 league games, yeah. God, it's an absolutely astonishing record, isn't it? Plus the 60-odd plus for Wales, 64, I think, for Wales. So, um, you know, if he hangs on another couple of seasons, he'll make a 1,000 He also games. looks in staggeringly good shape. I mean, Skulls looks exhausted to me. Every time he plays, and he's still, he's still you know, always going to be one of my very 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 favorite footballers of all time but he you know we talked about this the other week like ryan Giggs signing a new contract it looks like he didn't even think about it you know it's like yeah, yeah where's this piece of paper where can i sign you know he looks in amazing shape you know 
uh, just just such such an incredible professional. Right. Yeah. No. I I, I agree. I agree. Skulls looks tired, but not tired in a. Remember Gary Pallister? He always looked tired. He looked tired after about five minutes of the game. He just had that tired look on his face. But Skulls just looked. He, tired. he did. And like you know, what's happened to Gary's uh, physique since he uh, he left the game? He was obviously working against his natural uh, body type, wasn't he? Being a professional athlete, <laughs> as as was <laughs> cruel, Brucey actually. Cruel. The two of them. Hey, listen. No, this is a pot kettle situation. I'm. I'm not one of nature's more impressive uh, figures. Um, listen, I just wanted to very, very quickly go back to the Smalling penalty decision just because uh, I've been, somebody's taken, Sleepy Nick's taken the time to uh, send me a, a few messages just detailing exactly why it's a penalty. Uh, he says, the momentum of a move, Zhirkov clearly has his eyes on the ball and Smalling, is, uh, Smalling, wary of the danger, clearly moves his left foot to avert danger. At that point, there's contact with the Russian and a 100% penalty. He could have it in the first instance or put the hand put his hands in the air and uh, stood still seeing the oncoming Zhirkov then there would have been no penalty um, and the referee thought before he was giving uh, before giving it and also Ferguson wasn't particularly up it wasn't the penalty that he was upset about uh, it was just the the, uh, the the general performance by Atkinson but yeah we're not opening that can of worms uh, again I just felt like someone's taken the time to send those messages I, I'm definitely going to take the time to read them fair enough don't agree with them all but we've been through that so no, no, to, no, no need to go through it again. So uh, well, one thing, uh, of course, about the Chelsea game: Gary Neville in the away end. Out Gary of... Neville is a red. Is oh, sorry, a red. Do you know how difficult it is to get away game tickets? You have to be in the loyalty pot for years, and then you have to get lucky with the with the whole bid process, and then basically you have to get it off a tout because all the uh, executive box holders get the tickets in the first place. How's he got a ticket? Outrageous! I just like. I'd like to say if anyone belongs in the loyalty pot, it's Gary Neville. And also, there's a reason they sing Neville Neville is their dad. He sells tickets. That's how he's got his <laughs> tickets. He's got his tickets off his dad. No, no, <laughs> too right. Yeah, it's exactly how he's got his tickets. But did yeah. you see the look on his face when Rooney missed? <laughs> he's just like standing up and swearing and abusing Rooney. Yes, uh, it, any lip readers out there will have uh, seen the effing wazza. <laughs> yeah, F-sake wazza. That was what it was. <laughs> it was brilliant. Um, but yeah, I mean, like <laughs> amplified to rock. Uh, who is is uh, listening to the rank cast? My favourite tweet of the the, the day. So at the end of the game, uh, he said, "I no longer wish I was sat next to Gary Neville." <laughs> like, I think all of us have been watching, thinking, "God, it'd be absolutely brilliant to be watching this next to Gary Neville." But then suddenly, no, not so much. Yeah, he, he's he's the he's the annoying one five rows back. He just will not shut up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, talking of Gary Neville and being a massive red, we all know who he hates, and we're playing them at the weekend. Ed, you confident? You nervous? How you feel about this one? Not, not confident. I mean, obviously, no Vidic, no Rio, so it's probably going to be Brown and Smalling, or or, or, or potentially O'Shea and Smalling, and Raphael comes in. I mean, it just depends what combination he, yeah, Ferguson wants to pick. I, I guess he'll probably go for the the most experienced combination there, and that's Brown coming in. He's barely he's had two games this year, so. It's. Uh, I'm not confident. No, and uh, it's been a massive knock. So, what, what, you know, one one way of looking at it was the Michael Carrick way was that you know it's, we're we're getting over the Chelsea game super quick because we've got Liverpool around the corner. We've just got to focus on that. And of course, they're going to focus on that. But you can't tell me that won't have knocked their confidence. So, you know, it absolutely has. It's away from home again. We've barely performed well away from home all season, and uh, you know, even four nil at Wigan. I don't. I would hasten to add was not a great performance for a lot of it, and as ridiculous as that sounds. So yeah, 
I'm worried about it. I'm worried about it. And and there's absolutely no way. I remember about this time last year, maybe a bit later in the season, uh, Chelsea played Liverpool and we were like, oh, Liverpool, give them a good game. And they were pathetic. They just mm. rolled over. They grabbed their ankles. They lubed up and they took it. And uh, there's no chance that Liverpool are going to do that tomorrow. Uh, we, we have a clean tag on iTunes, Ed. I'm not sure that's entirely appropriate. Obviously, Liverpool won't roll over because it's United. It's their cup final especially since i was just thinking like thursday nights on channel five what are we going to chant now sunday afternoons on sky sports if you're lucky seventh in the lineup on match of the day because uh, they're not going to be in europe in any shape or form next season they, they had some a couple of good results obviously they went they went to Sanford bridge and they won uh, but they, you know they had that humiliating loss to west ham and they've had pretty mixed results under Kenny. I don't think he's you know, massively improved them. They've had the bump. But, of course, statistically, they won't get an improvement. All the statistics show that I think it's something like a 12% improvement over 19 games, but they lose that or more than lose that over the next over the next 19 from changing the coach. It's been, uh, you know, one of the boffins at the university has been calculating it all. And, and so, yeah, they, they'll get an immediate bump and, and they've got to get a few good results. But the fact is they're just not a very good team. But I'm still worried about it yeah no i, I am too um I, I don't know smalling and brown that sounds all right to me if it works and imagine it working really well actually they're both like you know pretty pretty i mean where's brown strong argument to be made that for a long time he was the third best center back in the premiership unfortunately in the same squad as the first of the, as the best two center backs in the premiership Look, he's he's a great natural defender brown is uh, and uh he's he, he's actually he's one of those players who uh, he doesn't need a lot of time just to to yeah, yeah. He, what he does he'll do naturally uh, uh, that's fine but it doesn't mean it's optimal uh, it's far from that and uh, so i'm still worried i, I think if I, I guess i'd be even more worried if uh, if we were playing uh, Evans and Smalling and at least Brown has that little bit of experience and you know he's not going to let anyone down yeah absolutely and also I'd be more worried if uh, Liverpool hadn't sold Torres because he does always look up for it against us uh, even when he was uh, poor and you know that they, they are lacking up front before Andy Carroll comes back um he might he might be back for the weekend he might be back for the weekend right he's definitely not going to be fit he's uh I, I don't think he's the type of player that's going to come into the game and change things massively he's just not that type of player uh, I think we're going to win. <laughs> I always say that. Oh, I still do. Uh, and a draw would be a decent result, I think. I mean, we'd like a win to bounce back from that um, horrible uh, result against Chelsea. I think the the nature of the performance in the first half and the fact that so much tension has been on the referee in the post-match situation means that some of the knock to confidence and momentum that might have happened from losing that game won't be felt and we might be able to bounce back quickly. So I'm going to predict a 2-1 win to Manchester United. Yeah, I, I just don't know how to predict this. Uh, I, I'd love to say it's going to be 1-0 to United, so I'm going to predict that. But I, I'm not sure I'm very confident about that, especially since Phil Dowd is the referee and he sent off five, count them, five United players in his time. So That's that's quite a lot. Um, at Xbirch, he's just posted uh, Darren Gibson scoring the last-minute winner at Anfield in 2011. Uh, uh, we'd love it. We'd love it if he dropped a G-bomb on them. That'd be absolutely amazing. But no, the, the person I'd really like to get the, the winner of course would be Sir Ryan Giggs to mark the end to this uh, very very f- important milestone week in his career yes 20 years at United uh, just slightly less time
time than uh, since Liverpool's last title. And of course, Kenny was going on about it. It was very. It was a very strange comment about Liverpool having five European cups. Yeah, talk about living in the past, Kenny. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I should mention that at Owen Mank zero seven zero nine wanted us to mention that because uh, it was quite a strange one. But it's all they've got left, isn't it? If we win the, especially if we win the Premiership this season, it's all they've got that left that and their doll check and uh, and the Beatles. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I I'm you can say what you like about tribalism and football, but. I will not hear a word said against the Beatles. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to uh, another slightly longer than usual rambling edition of the Rantcast. We'll be back next week with another one of these. All being well. See you then.